we always said that when we got back, if mom ever asked us to go on a hack again, we would say no. Welcome to the Major League Eventing Podcast, the show for eventing fans by eventing fans. And as usual, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Cowboy Magic. Karen, what are we highlighting this week? This week, we have the Cowboy Magic Detangler and Shine. So it detangles all types of hair knots, tangles, and dreadlocks instantly, no matter how difficult hair is to manage. The silk protein in Cowboy Magic Detangler and Shine results in a high-reflecting shine after brushing. And... It works on humans too. Well, when I when my mullet gets all tangled <laughs> up, Karen. Yeah, you need and it. It's it naughty. This is what I use. Yeah. This is my secret. <laughs> this is my secret to my anti-tangled mullet. So, but in, in all seriousness, though, it is it is fantastic stuff. Thank you mm-hmm. so much, Cowboy Magic. Get that detangler. You know what it's like. You pull that horse out of the field, and they're all tangled up, and you don't have any time for yeah. that. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, let's uh, get some Cowboy Magic detangler and shine, and get to work. So thanks a lot, Cowboy Magic. Triple Crown Feed. Oh, man. yeah. Triple Crown. Big fans of Triple Crown Feed. Um, they have a t- tons of, of great products out there. Mm-hmm. Premium stuff. Um, Karen, what do you got to say over there? So Triple Crown has formulas that are tailored to your horse's unique needs and help support immunity and gut health. Find your local Triple Crown Feed dealer by going to triplecrownfeed.com. TripleCrownFeed.com. That's a little bit of a tongue twister. TripleCrownFeed.com. They have a great feed locator. They have yes. a great feed com- comparison tool on their website. I encourage everyone to get over there. Check out Triple Crown Feed's website. Check out the different products. Check out what makes them so special. And give them a shot, right, Karen? Oh, yeah. Support the people to support the show. Equilum is the world leader in the research and development of lighting solutions that maximize the horse's health, performance, and overall well-being. Scientifically developed, Equilum lighting products support the horse's body clock, positively influencing mood and behavior while helping to maintain muscle tone, strengthen immunity, and ensure a sleek and shiny coat. Congratulations to Equilum riders Liz Haldy-Sharp and Philip Dutton, who have both been selected for the U.S. Olympic eventing team. This is Liz's first Olympics and Philip's seventh. Both amazing achievements. Philip explains. We are big fans of Equilune products. I feel my horses now relax better, focus more on their work, plus they are healthier and happier overall. RJ Equine Kinetics is a full-service conditioning, training, and rehabilitation center providing a unique program tailored to each individual horse's needs. Yeah, some of the services they provide, they have a water treadmill, a cold saltwater spa, vibrating floor, equine massage, vet-administered class four laser treatments. They provide educational tours, individualized feeding programs for your horse, round-the-clock attention. They also offer trailer-in services, equine transportation, and a limousine service. And some of the examples for the use of their equipment are for horses experiencing poor performance, lameness, and gait abnormalities, horses needing to improve fitness and strength before competition season, a way to balance asymmetries and rebuild muscle after atrophy, and returning to training after surgery, trauma, or injury, 
or prehabilitation. Learn more about RNJ Equine Kinetics at RNJ Equine on Facebook and EQKNETX.com. Taylor Harris Insurance Services. There for all equestrians, amateur and the professional. For all types and all breeds. No matter what discipline or level, Taylor Harris is committed to excellence in serving you and protecting the horses you love. Taylor Harris Insurance Services, your worldwide equine insurance specialists. I'm Karen. And I'm Rob. And today is a little bit of a different episode, Karen. It sure is. So... Um, I was fortunate enough to go down to uh, Great Meadow to be um, to cover the U.S. eventing mandatory team outing, right? We, yes. So we had the Olympians and the uh, the direct reserves and the alternates all there, and um, really the U.S. team looks fantastic here. Yeah, I saw the videos; they look great. The, the team looks fantastic. They're firing on all cylinders. Um, I think everyone over there is doing a great job. Um, so special thank you to U.S. Eventing and USEA, um, U.S. Equestrian, for for letting us come. Sorry the spectators couldn't be there. We tried our best, right, Karen, to, <laughs> yeah. to share as much as we could. And uh, hopefully I have some more photos coming. Hopefully if they're not already out by the time this episode airs, they, they should be coming out soon from cross-country. So. Really, really good day. So if anyone listens back, they'll hear um, on Monday, we we shared the, or actually it was Sunday night, we shared the press release, the press, the press conference, conference. Mm-hmm. from the, um, from the conclusion. Mm-hmm. So you get to hear from Jenny Autry, Eric Devander, um, Liz, Philip, Boyd, and Doug. Doug. Mm-hmm. So. Um, hopefully everyone gets a chance to to listen to that because there's some pretty good information in there and, and the teams really seems to be getting all good. Um, so on Thursday morning before cross country, I saw Sally O'Connor. Yeah. Yep. So Sally is the mother of two famous Yes, David and Brian. David and Brian O'Connor. So obviously, David O'Connor, Olympic gold medalist. Um, you know, he's done everything in the sport of eventing in America. <clears throat> and his brother Brian is for the folks in on Area Two. Everyone would know who Brian is, mm-hmm. and people on the East Coast generally. And then also, um, but Brian is a major, major announcer in the sport on the East Coast. So the folks in the Midwest and the West Coast and people around the world, they may not know of Brian so much, but Brian is very well known. He's the voice of pretty much Area 2 eventing. Yeah. And then on top of that, he, you know, he supplies all the equipment. He does the announcing. And then he's also like the controller. So we've had both Brian and David on the show mm-hmm. in the past. And one cool thing, Karen... They both mentioned as they were growing up about their um, their cross-country trip that they took with their mother. Right. On horseback. On horseback. Took three and a half months and it went from Maryland to Oregon. And um, Brian was, what, 14? Yeah, I think. And David was 12? They were, Sally said they were 12 and 14. Um, if you listen back to David's, they were 11 and 13. So yeah. somewhere in that yeah. range. 
Um, <clears throat> so they both mentioned it, and it was it was a huge thing. Three and a half months of their lives. So what was really cool was we got David and Brian's perspective. When I saw Sally, um, we were pressed for time. We were cross country. was getting ready to get started. Um, I quick, I got to meet her and I said, hello. And it's the first time I ever met her. And all of a sudden it was like, I walked away. I took a couple steps and I said, what am I doing? I have got to get her on the show. <laughs> this is a great opportunity. And so I turned around. I just asked if she had about 10 minutes to chat. And she said, sure. Cause she was there to volunteer. And, uh, we just set up the mics real quick and we had a really quick chat right there at the, um, where the press was, uh, based out of the, the media, um, area, which was, um, called the Meadow House. So set up the mice real quick, and we had a really nice, really quick chat with Sally O'Connor to talk about this trip. So this episode here is going to be that short interview to get her perspective. Mm -hmm. And then what I did was I we, we, we took and we clipped just down to the meat and potatoes where David and then Brian, they, they give their versions. Um, David's is a little more in depth. Brian's is a little bit less in depth, but still everyone had their own little perspective and, and things they had to say. So I thought this was really cool. Cameron. Yeah. I can't wait to listen to it. Yeah. So what everyone's going to hear first, they're going to hear Sally. And then I was very nervous. I didn't have my wing woman with me. <laughs> so I, um, uh, I never do quite as well without you here. I'm just lucky I hit the record button. Last time I had a big time interview with somebody. I didn't hit the record on the audio recorder without you. You always need me. I always need you. <laughs> so <clears throat> that being said, uh, so you're going to hear Sally, then you're going to hear David O'Connor, then you're going to hear Brian O'Connor. And then what we'll do in the show notes, if you want to hear back to those full interviews, because the full interview from, from both uh, Brian and David are, are really fantastic. So um, those, those links are going to be in the show notes, Karen. So people can listen back mm -hmm. to this. Um, so, and then what was kind of cool is if you followed along on Instagram and Facebook, you got to see, we were, um, we got wrapped up on Thursday pretty early. And, um, <clears throat> so I just kind of, luckily you did cause you had a big storm come in. We had a big old storm come in. So they, they did some adjusting on the times. So I was able to, uh, help. I, I gave Chris Barnard a quick call and said, Hey buddy, if you need any help, let me know. And he says, yeah, I could probably use a hand. So got to go down and I, um, uh, a crew of volunteers, um, you know, and myself helped Chris Barnard and a couple of those volunteers were, uh, Max Corcoran mm -hmm. and David O'Connor and David O'Connor. So I got to hang out with some pretty cool people. So met some really, really great people ran into a lot of people that listen to the show. So if, if we met, um, thank you so much for coming up and saying hello. Uh, it means the world to me. And, um, you know, I just, I just can't thank everyone enough who came up and said, Hey, we listen and, and we love it. And one person who had no idea who I was was Sally O'Connor. So <laughs> that's all right. Sally, we got all done. And she she's, gets a free pass. We got all done. And then she said, what's a podcast? I was like, oh, I set up all these mics and all this stuff. And, it's like, and she says, what's a podcast? How do I, what, what is this? Um, and then also what she said was she, she took our address and hopefully this comes through. Um, at the very end, you'll hear she's talked about how there's um, some magazines did a, a, a a, 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 like a six month story on their travels. And she was going to get copies of those stories and send them to us. Oh, awesome. So hopefully down the road, we'll have some uh, additional uh, stuff we can share with, with the major league eventing family out there. So, um, so without further ado, we hope everyone enjoys this. It's a little bit different than what we normally do, but at the end of the day, 
it's it's really cool to to really get the behind the scenes, Karen. If you ask me, of where where does someone like a, a gold medalist come from? Like what 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 gave him that drive? And Brian O'Connor, you know, he he is a great person. Whatever he does, he does great at acting and and everything that he does, and he really does an amazing job with the behind the scenes at these events, especially on cross country. Yeah, Day. he sure does. So I mean, he helps make sure that loose horses are, are, you know, the communications up. And if someone's injured, you know, keeping updates and making sure medical and the, the watching right the weather and watching the weather. He's uh, we've been there where he's called storms. I mean, he's he's um, taking the bull by the horns because sometimes, you know, these the, the shows, they have a lot of moving parts, checking weather. And I mean, he's he's on it. So thank you so much to the O'Connor family for everything mm-hmm. they've done for eventing. Yes. And Sally. And so, I Karen, I guess without further ado, we should just get to the episode. What do you say? Yeah, I, yeah, let's get to it. Awesome. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. Okay. All right, everybody. This is a, a special bet we have right now. So I'm at Great Meadow International for the mandatory outing for the U.S. Equestrian Eventing Team. And before they get started, I happen to run into Sally O'Connor, who is the mother of David and Brian O'Connor. And I just had to talk to her because if, if uh, people listen back to our, 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 our interviews that we have with Brian and David, they both mentioned the experience of riding cross country with their mother. So when I got to see Sally, uh, I had to ask Sally if we can, if we can sit down for just five or 10 minutes and just talk. So Sally, welcome to the show. All right. Well, thank you very much. You know, it's a different sort of cross country to this, what we're looking at out here. <laughs> that's for sure. You know, cause that's just very much enclosed. And, um, but when we went cross country, we went from Maryland to Oregon on horseback. Incredible. And it took us three and a half months. And the boys were 12 and 14, I think, at that time. Now, who's oldest? Brian is the oldest. And then, then David. And, um, I, I know it seems like a crazy idea, but I had always had that in my mind since I was a little girl. I was a big reader. And I read um, A Tale of Two Horses, which is the man who rode from South America to New York. And then there was a lady in Canada called Mary Bosonquay, and she rode all the way across Canada. So that was in my mind from the time I was eight or nine, that, gee, wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, it was a dream of mine. It really was. Wow. And so there we were living in suburban Maryland, and, um, I don't know, Brian was getting itchy, you know, he's 14, typical 14, and he's saying, you know, what are we going to do with ourselves? What are we going to do with our lives? Um, mom, you know, come up with something. I said, well, <laughs> we could, we could ride across America. He said, could we? <laughs> I mean, that's literally how wow. it happened, how it, how it got voiced. Wow. Let's put it, let's put it that way. So, you know, and everybody went poo, 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 you know, including their father um, and said, you know, it'll never work. You'll ne- you'd never get out of Maryland if you did that. And we hadn't done any long distance treks at all at that point. We, we, we were just eventing. And I was a little bit disgruntled with the whole political scene in the United States. There, you know, the president had been assassinated, all those things. And I really wanted to go home to England, I think, you know. And, um, so it, it got voiced. So then everybody started to talk about it. And of course, everybody said, Oh, you can't do that. No, you don't tell me that. (laughs) (laughs) Bad move. (laughs) Um, so I sort of researched a bit 
and talk to a lot of people. And there are a lot of um, trails across America that are, you know, you don't go on the major highways. You can't go on the major highways. You're not allowed. And there's lots of back roads and there's lots of just trail trails. And so we started to research it a little bit. And I thought, well, maybe we can. So the following year, we did it. That's incredible. That is absolutely incredible. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it just sort of happened. So, so when, you, when, when, you, when you set out, what, how much of it was like hard planned and how much of it was just kind of winging it? Like, did you have like the first? The first beginning of it, yes, because we, we didn't live too far from um, the Potomac and you've got the CNO Canal. And it's got a trail because it, for pulling the barges. So I thought if we started out up the canal, that would give us a time to do it without traffic and so forth. So we started up the CNO Canal. Wow. That's what we did from Harpers Ferry. Incredible. Not Harpers Ferry, you know, but, uh, but it was just amazing. And how did you, as you went, how did you find places to stay with the boys? Did you guys just figure on camping out? Or? Uh, well, we, we, we had camping stuff. And then literally we'd, we knocked on doors. You know, we'd find a, a farm or something and could we put the horses in a field and can we sleep in the barn? And, you know, 90% of the people said, no, put the horses in the barn and you come in the house. You know, I mean, people were incredibly generous about it. I think it was the particular mix of a mother and two kids. But, um, you know, it worked. And, and people would, and then they'd pass us along. <laughs> you know, pass us along to somebody in the next state. They say, hey, go down, you know, yeah, I-80 and... That's right, you know, <laughs> go this way and then go stay with our friends there, you know. And, and that, that just, you know, just, just blossomed the whole way across. We, we had people stopping on the road to asking us to come and stay. Amazing. It, it was amazing. The, the, the generosity of the American people was quite something. The logistics of the thing, I get so, like in today's modern times, everyone has a debit card and a credit card and things like that. How did you even, like, how did you even set out with money? Did you? Yeah, I just had, you know, I had about 50 or $60, <laughs> which we kept. <laughs> You're incredible. And, um, you know, and then people would cash checks for us. Wow. And, you know, we were in, in in touch with my husband the whole time so he could send us money but you don't need a lot of money when you're doing that you know you need breakfast lunch and dinner is all what you oh need my gosh. you know it, it was just amazing incredible and then of course we had to meet blacksmiths you know that that's one thing you go, that i hadn't counted on was going through shoes at a great rate horseshoes because <laughs> they just wear down yeah. um, so that if you drove horses on hard roads you would have to shoe them very often. How about that? Now, the things you, you don't even think about. No, you don't. And as they, as they went along, did you see how did Brian and David change? Did, did they, were they both enthusiastic the whole time? It sounds like when they were interviewed, Brian fell a little bit out of love with it, with it and David kind of seemed to. Yeah, no, no. They, we all had downtimes. Is that right? Yeah, you know. And, um, well, it's very dull just. Walking along a road on a horse, just walking <laughs> along a road on it a horse. It sounds exciting, you know, but I guess ninety percent. No, no. But what made it worthwhile was the the evenings when we, we met people, and we we stayed in campgrounds, but mostly we stayed in people's houses. Wow! Incredibly generous. 
That's amazing. And then at one point in time, didn't you have one horse? What was it? Brian or David had to switch horses somewhere and someone just lent yes. the horse? Yes. Yeah, he got very lame. And um, so somebody just lent us a horse. So we'd go on. It was sort of an unbroken four-year-old, I think it was. But he was very <coughs> quiet. And he, you know, he, he just followed along with the others. Amazing. It's just amazing. It really was. <laughs> that, that was the, 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 the most amazing part of it all. And we had the one horse who made it the whole way. And he was a 16-year-old. Wow. He was the oldest horse, you know, of the whole thing. And when you got there, did you leave the horses there? Or did you eventually have them hold back for yeah, you? Or? Yeah, we we went back to a, a stable we had stayed at, and we left them there. And then I have a friend who has a trucking business, so they stayed there until he had a trip going that way, then he brought them back for us. Gotcha. Now, just before we wrap up, got to ask you about your two sons. Super, Both are super highly uh, uh, successful and very influential in the sport and, and, and have made such an impact on the sport. So how does that, you know, how, how does, as a mom, you know, how does that make you feel coming back and seeing how, how great your sons are and how? It's great. As I say, neither of them has a proper job, you know? <laughs> <laughs> seriously. And, um, but they've both been successful at what they do. David in the competition world and now in the managing of, you know, the various USCT things. And Brian, of course, is an actor. So, you know, he, it's a natural for him. Yeah. He's an announcer. Yeah, he's here today. He's here today. Yes, he's, they're both here. <laughs> oh, they're both here? Yeah. Oh, fan well, imagine, uh, of course, why not? Why yeah. weren't they both? Yeah. That's amazing. Oh. Well, I just, you know, um, what I'll do is I'm going to link up both of the episodes with Brian and David that we've done previously in the show notes of this show so people can listen back and hear their perspectives of this trip. Cool. It was it was a profound, you know, experience for both of them. They both brought it up and they both uh, shared their sides of it. And they both said we should talk to you. So this is just a, a blessing <laughs> that I was able to run into you and yes. that you were nice enough to say hello and yeah no 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 and we got I mean, to meet it's been a long time long time <laughs> since we've talked about it you know and and any old pictures or anything you ever consider oh, we away we would love pictures. i would love yes. to i would yeah. love to see them well, we can, we'll share give, them i'll give you my address and then i'm, I'm I'll, I'll give you the magazines and you can read oh wonderful all of the diary amazing you know because um, there's lots of things you know i've I, I don't remember. You That's know. what Brian needs to write the, the movie, the screenplay about this trip. Yeah. yeah there you go. <laughs> so, there you go. Well, again, Sally, yeah. thank you so right. much for joining us. Thank you. It was fun. This segment is brought to you by Taylor Harris Insurance Services. Get all your horse insurance needs by going to thishorseinsurance.com. That is T-H-I-S horseinsurance.com. So, David, well, one thing we love to do is we love to go back and hear your origin story. So can you tell us how you actually got your start in riding and then work your way into eventing? Uh, sure. I mean, the main reason I got started in riding is so my mother told me to do it. Um, <laughs> and anybody that knows Sally O'Connor will know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, you know, she was great. She, you know, she got us into riding, both my brother and I, Brian, you know, who is a commentator mm -hmm. at, you know, events. So, um so, you know, she was pursuing it. She was a rider at that point, back in the early 70s. And, uh, you know, rode up at Fair Hill, fun enough, at the intermediate level. And um, then, uh, so, yeah, we did the Pony Cup thing and um, were, uh, went on that road, and which was very good. Um, Pony Club was quite young then, you know, because we were doing it at the you know, early 70s, and it was, you know, started in the late 50s. And so a lot of the same people that were driving it, and that started it were the same people that were driving it when we were done. And so the, 
the level was very high. It was a lot of fun. It was, uh, I grew up in the Maryland area, Gaithersburg, Maryland. My father worked for the Navy. <clears throat> he was uh, in as a naval engineer in the submarine department, which is a whole other story. But <laughs> the, uh, and uh, he, uh, so he, you know, he supported it, and mom got us into it, and we just had the pony thing. We weren't, you know, big show kids. We didn't uh, government salary, so we didn't have a lot of money to go around. Um, but mom was a huge volunteer, and I think that was a big thing that you know has stated through my whole life is that she was a huge volunteer from uh, here on Pony Club. Uh, she was part of the original uh, starting of the USDA, U.S. Dressage Association. Uh, she was very, very involved in the USCTA back at that point, you know, with, with um, doing press things and education things. And so, you know, I think we were, we just followed her lead, or followed her lead, and then kind of went there. My brother, you know, rode up to the, uh, you know, one-star level, preliminary level at that point. Uh, Radner, you know, went to um, both of us got bees in the pony club, um, you know, and I rode a Radner, and, and then I had a kind of a good Radner. Um, when I was young, they had a very, <clears throat> it was a, it was a huge trophy at that point, you know, cause the sport was so much smaller. Um, everything was a lot more focused, you know, there were just a few three of them. Yeah. And, uh, so the Harry T. Peters trophy, which is a young rider trophy, junior trophy at that point, um, was a really huge deal. You know, we have 70, 80 people in it. Um, kind of like the DeBroke trophy, which, mm-hmm. you know, trophy that, you know, when I was coming up to doing a lot of that kind of stuff, that would have a hundred people in it. Um, and so, you know, I had done well at Radnor and, and was seen by Jack Rogoff, who was at that point, uh, you know, the coach and, yeah. um, you know, and I was living in an area where there were a lot of Olympians and a lot of the Olympians were my mother's friends, you know, the Mike Plums, the Jim Wofford's, the, you know, Bruce Davidson, you know, mom wrote his first book. Um, so these people were people in my life all the time. And <clears throat> when you were a kid growing up and so you you know, you just kind of went straight into it and got noticed and you know, went to training sessions with a team um, as a young rider. And then there was a resident rider program that was there. That basically, year after the Olympic Games, you used to get 30 people from around the world. And there was a center in South Hamilton, Massachusetts. And many would pick, used, used to pick, you know, we'd pick four people. And those were the people that were, say, with him for a couple of years. And you would see them in the game. So Bruce came through that program. Tad came through that program. Mary Antowski, you know, Torrance. Uh, all the famous names of uh, of the sport came through that program, and I was the last one that was actually selected. So I was uh, uh, selected there, uh, just one, and you know spent my next four and a half years with him, which was my university really um, for learning my sport. So mm-hmm. that you know that's kind of the eventing side. It kind of took off from there. Didn't really know it could go there because you know it didn't have really any horses. I had to borrow a horse for the training session. Wow. Uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, it, so it took off that way. So I was, uh, that was kind of the eventing start, um, you know, really kind of through my mother and a uh, good break here and there and being in the right place at the right time and being around it, you know, a lot because of my mother's influence, um, and her own interests, you know, so you, you kind of grew up around that thought process a lot, you know, and I think it was, uh, a lot, it was very, very helpful for me as going on. Were were you aware, like, were you in all of all these Olympians that you were around? Like, were you, and were you aware of, like, the opportunity that you were, have had by being around all these people? Well, yeah, I mean, in some ways, yeah, because, you know, and Bruce helped me warm up for Radner when I'm 16 years old. Wow. And Bruce, 
you know, because he was a friend of mom's because he wants some help, you know, he wants some help. And, you know, so he helps warm me up for the show jumping. And, uh, you know, you're quite honored by, you're, you're honored by that. You know, he was a world champion at that point. You know, because that would have been, been 1978. Wow. No, no. Uh, 70, yeah, 78. 70, yeah, 78. You know, so he just won his second world championship. Champion. You know, we, we were good friends with Jimmy Wofford. Um and so, you know, they were all kind of on a first-name basis. Um, and so as a kid, to being around that, I think that's a great thing. And they were very open and very helpful about, um, you know, having a kid that was interested in it. And, um, you know, they were very positive about going on. Um, you know, I went to try to be a working student for Jimmy. That horse got hurt. He actually um, just, you know, a minor injury, but lost the season. He told me to stay, you know, it worked for him for, you know, like four or five months over the wintertime. So you've already missed school, so you might as well stay. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, so opportunities like that have been, you know, they were, they were great. And, and that's something that we try to do, passing it on the same thing, is to try to give the same opportunities for the kid that has no money, um, that <clears throat> doesn't get to buy their way into the sport. And you try to, you can't do a lot of them because it, you're sponsoring them in some ways. But, that's a big thing of mine because that was what was done for me. So I'm definitely going to do it with people that I, you know, have gone on, you know, wow. um, and have done it as we've come on. It's like, you know, the ladies, what it's me of Harley, you know, it's, she's, you know, she doesn't have a lot of money, but she's here and, um, you know, she's done very well, but we really try to make everything happen so that she can be one of the stars of the sport, which I do think she could be one of the stars of the sport. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah she's doing fantastic. Yeah, she is. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So and then you, interestingly, you you did like a, a cross country ride with your mother at some time. Could, could, <laughs> can you talk about that? That was uh, that sound. I, I got to know how that how that happens. <laughs> uh, I always say what I say in speeches every time. I always said, you know, she went. Her boys were interested in eventing, so she went to the top guys and asked them for you know what's the most important thing, and the top guys say cross country experience, and uh, I think she misunderstood she what did they were that literal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, because we went across country so um <laughs> so i was it actually started as a conversation around dinner my brother had just read uh thor heyerdahl's kantiki um about the pacific papyrus the norwegian guy that was uh, was proving um where people anthropologists that was proving where people came from and there was the theory that you know that some of the Polynesians actually came from south america and so he you know, built this papyrus boat and proved to them that this could happen, should happen. Uh, and it was, there was a documentary on it, I think, two or three years ago um, that came out, <clears throat> or they kind of did a, you know, again, movie. And so, you know, dinner conversation, you know, that wouldn't be cool to do. And mom says, no, that's not, you know, that's not possible. Um, but we could ride to California. <laughs> and that's how it started. And two years later, you know, we decided, so she decided um, that we were going to Oregon, so we would miss the deserts. Um, the more people told her that she couldn't do it, the more that it had to be done. <laughs> Um, they were, <laughs> she got a kid, you know, got 11 year old kid and a 13 year old kid. And, you know, so what everybody asked me, you know, why'd you go across country? And I, and again, I'll say the same thing. Cause my mother told me to, <laughs> uh, you know, and dad was really supportive of it in his own way. Um, and, uh, he was, you know, constant contact with as much as he can. Cause this was in 1973. So no cell phones, no, you know, <clears throat> music devices, except for a harmonica, um, you know, you had no, you know, there was no touch with that type of thing. Once you were, once you were going, you were going. And uh, so we rode from here to Oregon, 
from Maryland to Oregon. We started at White's Ferry um, in Maryland. And, uh, you know, three and a half months later, and, you know, just under 3,000 miles, uh, we, uh, it was a great, you know, it's a great experience for kids as much as anything for, you know, responsibility, horses spend time. You know, Brian and I, we actually talk about it quite about, and you know, we think about it quite differently because he was 13 years old and a little bit, you know, rebellious, I think, going through that, you know, stage <laughs> of his life. He was always in the front. Mom was always second. I was always in the back. And uh, most of the time when I was in the back, I was hundreds of yards behind them. I <laughs> just kind of doing something. That was <laughs> fairly still typical of me. Um, and so, you know, you get you learn a lot about yourself. You learn a lot about horses. You learn certainly a lot about the country and how people make a living because um, we stayed with everything. Um, we just knocked on people's doors and asked if we could stay. Wow. Oh what, Mom would tell them what they were doing and People east of the Mississippi were going, they would go like, you're going where? <laughs> and people west of the Mississippi would go, you're from where? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, it's, uh, yeah, 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 shapes you a lot. Um, it shapes you a lot. I think um, probably one of the things that I think about it, you know, because I actually think about it a lot because I stayed in the horse world and then I ride horses all the time and da 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 is that one of the things that I <clears throat> reflected on and realized, you know, really 15 years later, is that I have a huge dip, I have a huge thing about uh, time and distance. In that, uh, you know, such a modern day world is so much, uh, you know, on a clock. You know, the time is the most one of the most important uh, things that you can have, and and uh, all demanded by milliseconds or seconds or things like this. And, you know, you're like, yeah, not really. Um, because in this thing, um, you know, I, you learn that, okay, this is the place that I'm going, you know, I'm going, we basically did 30, 35 miles a day, you know, with half an hour in a car. Um, so if you do 35 miles, you, but you actually don't know if you're going to get, this, um, for whatever number of different reasons that could come into play. Um, weather or whatever. So you don't know if you're going to get there. So you know you're going to get there at some point, but you don't know if you're going to get there today. Um, so it changed a lot of, it's still changed my thinking about time over distance. You know, that the distance is the most important thing, the, where you're going, what you're going to do, what you're going to achieve. But you actually don't have a lot of control over the time that you think you're going to get that done in. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> it sure is. Wow. That is, that is amazing. Were, were you, were, did you pretty much always find a place to stay or did you guys have like a tent just in case? Yeah, we, yeah amazingly, we were only turned out three times. Um, <laughs> the, you know, and one guy, the guy had a stallion. Um, one said no and the other one just said, I got too many horses here. Uh, but there's a place right down the road. And, um, you know, but we slept on everything, you know, slept outside, slept under um, picnic tables, you know, um, lots of uh Stockyards, you know, um, cut across in the mountains and across the Rocky Mountains. Um, you know, stayed with sheep herders a couple nights. And when we went from uh, Jackson Hole over to Blackfoot, Idaho, um, you know, because you're following, once you were on kind of the Lincoln, Nebraska, just, just west of Lincoln, Nebraska, you're following the old Oregon Trail. The Oregon Trail actually came up from Kansas and then followed the Platte River. And then so the Platte River then splits into North Platte and South Platte. And North Platte goes up to Wyoming. Uh, makes a turn and then goes into once you're on then you cross the continental divide and it turns into the snake river and the snake river is the, what goes through uh idaho and and oregon and so really those old conestoga wagons those wagon trains that oregon trail 
they all follow rivers and um, <clears throat> water, and you know, it's just the, that's the elixir of life. So in the end, you 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 know, we were following the general direction of what the old Oregon Trail was once we got into Nebraska. Wow, that is super cool. <laughs> that is that is so cool. And how about like the horsemanship side of keeping those horses sound? Yeah, you know, it's it's hard. Uh, I carried the feed across my uh, lap, actually, in a duffel bag on oats. And it'll probably, well, I think, you know, looking back on it, there's probably a couple of things, maybe put a little bit more sweet feed into it or at least molasses and things like that. Cause a couple of the horses got fairly thin. Every 10 days, we tried to, she uh, had arranged that we would stay with somebody up to Lincoln, Nebraska, um, that we would stay with somebody and stay there for um, two or three days to give the horses a break. And... Um, we obviously shod them almost every three weeks because their shoes were, um, you know, riding on the side of roads. They would become paper thin. Hmm. And uh, we picked up feed just along the way. Um, my horse off of this thing that I was carrying actually developed an effective wither. And somebody gave us a horse to continue on out in Scottsdale, Nebraska, a guy named Ellis Ruby, um, who had a bunch of, uh, just a ton of horses, actually Arabians, but they were more the endurance, the Polish side of the equation, and so um, endurance Arabians. And he had a horse, and he said, well, why don't you leave this one here and take this one. It was actually a kind of a thoroughbred uh, quarter horse uh, mix. And I uh, said, so why don't you take him and leave yours here, and you guys continue on with mine. And then that's what happened. So, <laughs> horse trained along the way. Uh, and then we picked mine We picked mine up on the way back, and, um, and then... Um, well, the same thing happened to my mother's horse a little later on, um, and somebody again gave us a horse to continue on the trip and to finish the trip. Wow! wow. Do you think something like that will be not not the ride across countries? I know, like Lainey Ashker's mom did something along those lines not so long ago, but like the stopping at just random farms and knocking on the door. I mean, I wonder if that would fly in today's day and age. Yeah, you know, funny enough, I get asked that a question a lot, and I, you know, I think there is because you know, I think one of the things is mother and two children, right? So yeah. the people became people became protective of it, um, and because uh, you know, it's not a great time of society is coming out of the Vietnam War. We had you know, the oil embargo that we that year, and you know, gas trouble, which wasn't a problem for us. Um, but the <laughs> uh, you know, so you so it wasn't a really ha- I would say happy time in history in the United States. So. I don't feel, I do feel like you could do it again. I do feel, you know, um, that you could go like that. But it was in a very unusual situation again because there was a mother and two children and there was no support staff. I mean, there was nobody was following us. There was nobody, there were no other things going on. It was just three of us. What we had in our saddlebags is what we had. Um, And, um, you know, so, you know, there's a lot of ways I would say in human nature that I would think you could do it again with those similar conditions that made it successful for us. Wow. Man. That's That's an amazing story. That is such an amazing story. So, so, uh, go on. uh, Thanks for sharing that with us because that's like, (laughs) I I mean, I think it gives like a lot of uh, a basis of of who you are as a person and how you were brought up, you know, and how the determination and the, the drive you must have to have just to be able to just do that. I mean, yeah. And yeah. And I think that self-reliance is huge. You know, you, you learn to be self-reliant and, um, you know, and problem solving person, you know, and I think those, uh, those things held, you know, held to when you were, uh, you know, later on, you know, cause I was 11, wasn't every day was perfect. And, you know, you, you know, I was, I was an 11 year old. I think probably food was the biggest thing, you know, that could break your day. 
you know, if you didn't get lunch, you know, which could have been, <laughs> right. which, which could have been a Snickers bar or something. But the, uh, you know, so not every day was perfect. And Brian actually talks about the grind of it quite a bit because I think uh, just there was age difference between him and me. Um, and uh, but uh, I think the self reliance is something that was, uh, you know, something that it has held with me for this whole time. Yeah, and notice. And my, and, and and being quiet, you have a lot of time to think. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Are you get inside your own head for sure? I bet. Uh, I'm inside my own head. Don't ever, don't ever come up to David and complain about how hard your day was, Karen. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For sure. So hey, get, getting back to thank you so much for sharing it. Again, uh, are, yeah, are no, there I, many pictures of that? Did you get it? That's before. There are. There's. Funny enough, there was a magazine. The Maryland Horse had a. Um, the Maryland Horse was a um, thoroughbred magazine in, in Maryland, and then um, they had an offshoot called Horseplay, and um, that ran for probably three or four years, maybe four or five years, and they followed it. My mother wrote a diary, and over so they and they spread it out over nine months, and uh, we were gone for three and a half, so they spread the whole thing out over nine months, and uh, so there's a written account of it, which I have a copy of, um, and my mother said that she was, has write a book, and I think she has one in some form or another um though we haven't seen it yet and um we'll uh you know so there's going to be an account and i think brian and i will do one at some point because i think it would be really interesting you know um, yeah like a, even a kid's book or something like that the um because the two of us look at it different we look at uh, we look at the the trip a little bit different and what we remember what he remembers what i remember and i think it would be kind of a fascinating story with two people that were on that trip um, looking at it from a, a kid's perspective, a 13-year-old, 11-year-old, and how they how they view the world different a little bit on a trip like that. Right. Yeah. So. I can't wait. Oh my gosh! I got. We definitely got to get looking at oh, it. Yeah. And see if we can figure out a, a digital <laughs> copy of at least the story until we get the books. Now, does putting 3,000 miles cross country on horseback have anything to do with you taking a hiatus from horses? Uh, I, yeah, that's a, that's a good, interesting question. Yes, because. Um, that we always said that when we got back, if mom ever asked us to go on a hack again, we would say no. <laughs> you never know when you're coming back. Never going on a hack with my mother again, ever, ever. Um, that, you know, and that, that, that was, I, I think that, that, and probably David probably would have said the same thing too, that I think that trip molded us into who we are horse-wise and people-wise. Um, very, very much so. I mean, that was a um, an event of a lifetime. Uh, it was very difficult. It was fun at times. It had there was a lot involved with it. And uh, the deeper we got into the trip, the more you know we had to struggle and to keep going. And you know, I, we always say that we probably you probably couldn't do it without family. If you had if you tried to do it with friends, you probably wouldn't make it. You know, because mom was the rock, and you know she just said, "You got to go. You got to go." And you know, and we and when we started. We had no clue how far we were going to get. And then, of course, you need to sort of get into the Midwest. And it's like, well, now we're, you know, we're, we're like halfway to the moon. So you, you got, you got to keep going, you know, you got to keep going that way. Wow. So, but I think it, it made, it made us who we are as, as horse people. And I think as people, people as well. It sounds like it would be a good movie or show or something. Yeah, exactly. It, it'd be very fun. Yeah. Do you I'm not going to play myself. I'm not going to play myself. That's <laughs> Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google, or your favorite podcast app. Cheers!